on the show today. Lawmakers are considering a series of bills to limit the power of big tech. A Dutch consumer group has launched action against TikTok over alleged privacy issues. A new study shows that one-fifth of kids' apps on the Google Play Store are not in compliance with U.S. law. A cryptocurrency scam claimed to be endorsed by Elon Musk netted the criminals over $1 million. And today's tip teaches you how you can protect your video doorbell. All of that and more is coming up on the June 28, 2021 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have five stories on the news beat for you today. Like last week, we begin in Washington, where lawmakers considered a series of bills that are aimed at big tech. Last Wednesday, lawmakers began a series of six votes on bills intended to restrict the power of the big tech companies. The first two bills considered passed out of the committee with a bipartisan vote. The first bill would fund aggressive enforcement of antitrust legislation by increasing the cost for reviewing a merger, and the second would allow state attorneys general to keep antitrust cases in the court of their choice. Other bills under consideration would stop tech companies from prioritizing their own products and force them to break off parts of their business under certain circumstances. However, the bills were not without controversy. Several legislators expressed concern that these bills only make the problems with big tech worse, and the industry, of course, warned of negative consequences for their services as a result of the legislation. Moving to the Netherlands, a Dutch consumer group is launching a claim against TikTok over what it claims is illegal harvesting of users' data. TikTok has become popular with teens and young adults, but the Dutch organization making the claims says that the company is using practices that amount to exploitation, making millions of dollars off the backs of the youth. This action is separate from a U.S. settlement and potential action in the European Union. In Asia, employees at a South Korean computer repair company have had charges filed against them over suspicion of installing ransomware on the computers of customers. According to the accusation, the employees inflated the ransom demands when customers brought infected computers to them allowing them to profit when the customers paid the ransom. The employees would also open back doors in the systems and then use that to launch their own ransomware attacks later. Ultimately, the staff began planting ransomware on the computers of any customer who came in. The accusation says that the employees made approximately 
$320,000 from the scam. In App Store news, a study by Comparatech found that approximately 100 of the top 500 kids' apps in the Google Play Store are collecting data in a way that violates the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Some of the provisions of this legislation include requiring clear policies for apps that collect data on users under 13 and making reasonable efforts to notify parents about the information collected. About half of those in violation collected private information without a clear child privacy policy and another 10% do not collect information themselves, but work with third-party advertisers that do. And some of the apps claim they were not targeted to children, but they had kids or toddlers in the name or description. So if you're a parent, don't trust that an app marketed to children is actually concerned about protecting your child's privacy. And finally, YouTube was used to steal money using a convincing series of ads for a SpaceX-themed cryptocurrency campaign. As you may know, SpaceX is owned by Elon Musk, who has been a big proponent of cryptocurrency. The scam used Musk's face before and after a video hawking the new currency. The scam was even more effective due to the fact that many cryptocurrency investors look to YouTube as a source of cryptocurrency news and information. This made it easier to target those with an interest in crypto with these ads. Ultimately, the three ad campaigns that were caught appear to have brought in close to $1 million for the scammers. And now we move on to our scam of the day. During the pandemic, the U.S. government has sent help to Americans in the form of three different stimulus payments. However, a new set of payments is set to roll out starting in July. The IRS will begin sending out advanced child tax credit payments to those who qualify. Taxes always make good fodder for scams because it's something we all have to pay but anytime there's something new, it's a prime opportunity for scammers to come out and play tricks to get your information. Be very careful when you are dealing with the IRS or someone who claims to be the IRS. Many scammers pretend to be the IRS in order to get you to give up sensitive information. And since your identification with the IRS is your social security number, it won't be difficult to get you to give up even your most sensitive information once they have you hooked. Also, don't trust anyone who claims to be able to get you these checks sooner. The checks will only be coming from the Treasury, not from any other source. No one will be able to get this money to you faster. And don't pay any money in order to get your check. This is a federal benefit that will not cost you anything to get. If you find a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for the Cybersecurity Pop Quiz. 
Each week, we ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple choice question. The question is, which of these is the most likely threat that you will face online? A. A person hacking your computer. B. A person stealing your data from a website you gave it to. C. A person perpetrating a ruse to get you to provide them your credit card number. Or D. A person finds your lost laptop. The correct answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to submit your guess and find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you'll be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 3 in August. But your guess must be submitted before the next episode airs on Monday, July 5th. For official giveaway rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, Spam is annoying, but it's not dangerous to your security. True or false? The correct answer is false. Most of the spam that you receive is just annoying and not threatening. But some spam is designed to perpetrate scams or get you to click on a malicious link or download a malicious file. The scams and malicious activity aren't new. Even the famed Nigerian Prince scam existed as a mail threat long before email existed. But email has made these scams cheaper and easier to execute on a massive scale. And of course, other types of spam email could contain malicious links that will try to copy data from your computer. So as much as I would love to say that spam is just a complete annoyance, it unfortunately can come with some threatening elements. Who would have thought that an item you probably rarely thought about, the doorbell, would have become one of the most popular items to upgrade to a smart device. If you have a video doorbell or you've thought about getting one, we'll discuss how you can make sure it stays safe on the other side of this short break. Hi, it's Jim. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could follow us in your favorite podcast player. That will ensure you never miss an episode. And while you're there, we'd also appreciate it if you could rate the show and give us a review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And finally, the best review that someone can give us is to tell their friends about the show. Invite them to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send them to our website, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com where they can find links to the show in all the major podcast players. Thanks for your support, and now, back to the show.
When you think of smart devices, most people think of the amazing number of household items that people have managed to add computers to. I mean, seriously, do you really need your toilet connected to the internet? Other people may think of the digital assistants that have become a staple in many homes. It's so easy to ask a question and get an instant answer, or to have the assistant program a reminder so you don't forget something important. However, one of the most common and useful smart devices are video doorbells. These might not be inside your home, but they're almost as effective as putting a security camera outside your front door. However, any of these smart devices, whether it's your video doorbell or your smart toilet, need to be secured in order to keep them safe. We did an episode fully focused on protecting your smart devices, but today we're going to narrow our focus specifically on how you can protect your video doorbell. To protect your doorbell, first, make sure that you lock down your internet. We've done two episodes that will help you complete this step, so we won't rehash everything that we covered here. But if you'd like to listen to them, you can go back to episode 27, which covered how to secure your router, and episode 1, which covered how to lock down your Wi-Fi network. Links to those episodes will be available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 64. And if you're able to, put your doorbell on a separate Wi-Fi network from your computers and your phone. If someone does manage to compromise your doorbell, that will keep the person from being able to move from that device to even more sensitive information. In fact, if you're a more technical person, you may even want to set up a firewall rule that blocks your doorbell from accessing anything other than your router. Second, update the firmware on your doorbell. The firmware is the software that operates the doorbell. Almost every device you own has some sort of firmware on it. And like any software, it's prone to vulnerabilities that can happen. Some devices will update automatically, but others will ask for your permission before sending an update. If you're asked, I recommend installing the update as soon as practical. However, I do recommend waiting until a time that you're home to install the update. If you have a delivery or someone breaks into your home, you'll want to see the video. And if something happened while the doorbell was restarting after installing updates, that would be awful timing for you, unless, of course, you're the one breaking in. If you're home, you will hopefully be able to receive the package right away or notify the police if someone breaks in. Third, make sure you protect your account with the video doorbell provider. Unless you install a video doorbell inside your house for some reason, the doorbell isn't going to record anything that someone couldn't see if they sat outside your house all day. But despite that, you probably still don't want someone accessing a 24-hour live feed of what it looks like right outside your front door. Use a strong password when you set up your account. For regular listeners, 
The fact that this is included shouldn't be a surprise. Poor password quality is one of the best and quickest ways to get your account compromised. So use a strong, unique password when you set up your account on the doorbell. Also, set up two-factor authentication. That way, even if your password is compromised, someone will still have to do more work to gain access to your account. But as a side note, two-factor authentication isn't perfect either, so don't use that as an excuse to use a bad password. A strong password combined with two-factor authentication is a strong security measure. Fourth, monitor your sharing settings. There's two elements of sharing to consider. Many of the big video doorbell providers have also included a social feature that allows you to share videos with your neighbors. And there is some benefit to this. If you have a package stolen from your porch or your car is broken into, you can share the video with other people in the neighborhood. Other people may have had similar activity at their home, or someone might even be able to identify the person based on the video you shared. A second element of sharing is access by the police and other law enforcement agencies. Some manufacturers of video doorbells have allowed law enforcement to access videos if an incident occurred in your area. I fully support law enforcement, and I'd be more than willing to give them any videos that might help an investigation into a crime. But while you've had the ability to refuse or opt out, I'm not crazy about the idea of allowing police to access videos within a specified time range. I would much prefer that the device owner be allowed to decide whether or not to share a specific video. What you choose to do with both of these sharing settings is completely up to you. There's nothing inherently wrong with sharing your videos with law enforcement or with your neighbors, so long as you understand what you are doing. But you should check in on your settings every once in a while to make sure that they're set exactly how you want them. And finally, take advantage of the physical security features of your device. Your video doorbell will do you no good if it gets stolen. Most doorbells come with screws that allow you to screw it directly into your doorframe. If you own your own home or have a property manager who's okay with this, use those to make it more difficult to steal. Some doorbells also come with an exterior plate that will provide some additional security for the doorbell. I definitely recommend installing that security plate if it's available. The ring doorbell that I gave my parents for Christmas one year comes with a special screw and screwdriver that provides an extra challenge for anyone who might want to steal it. Obviously, anyone with a ring will likely have that screwdriver, so it's not exactly like it's a key, but it does provide one extra obstacle for someone trying to steal your doorbell. So that's it for today. Hopefully you can keep your video doorbell as safe as it keeps you and your packages. We'll be back again next Monday with a tip that will discuss how you can prepare for a power outage.
So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked to the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.